Ladies and gents, we're back. We're back. The Wasp Report is back. I've got to apologise for the lack of episodes since the final. Um, anyone who follows me on Twitter will know that my house has been undergoing pretty big renovations over the last few months. And um, actually having my studio set up ready to go has been pretty tough. So that's why we've been a little bit quiet since the semi-final win uh, going into the final. But after that performance yesterday, I have hastily erected a makeshift studio. So I apologise if the sound quality isn't quite there, but yeah, I've, I've hastily erected my, my studio set up and because we, we have to talk about that game because it was an absolutely stunning performance. Joining me as ever, he's the, the guy that all the players hate, all the supporters hate. Well, pretty much everyone hates if you support Wasps. It's Rob Sutton. Rob, how you doing? New Year. Same me. <laughs> oh, it's been quite fun, actually, having some of the some of the run-ins have been... They've been good-natured, shall we say, between fans and us on the Wasp Report account. I don't really tweet a huge amount about Wasps from my personal account because of players picking it up and then you just get trolls coming at you from every different angle. But actual members of the Wasp family are quite good to interact with and it's, it's quite fun having some disagreements with them some of the time. So, you know... Thank you very much to everyone who has been interacting. But let's get on to the game because that's what we're here to talk about. That's what everyone wants us to talk about. An incredible performance by Wasps this last weekend against Exeter. You know, the, the champions came in unbeaten, four games, four bonus point wins, looking to be the first team ever, I think, to go five bonus yep. point wins in a row to start season in the in the premiership. And they ran into a brick wall. Basically, the first 20 minutes, Exeter, I think, had 84% possession and they just couldn't score. Yeah. 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 They was, it was, it was the level of intensity that was brought to the match that was the most pleasing thing about the result. Yeah. That was, I know Lawrence Lally always used to speak about the Heineken Cup as being test match intensity in your club shirts. That was test match intensity from Wasps in the first half at least and Exeter had no answer and uh, I think Wasps have given, I know you know, we don't want to mention Exeter missing players, Wasps were as well, but the blueprint has been set now for everybody else, whether you're Premiership or European Cup, that, that's how you get them and a bit like what we've seen with Saracens in the past if you get them rattled, they get indisciplined and and, and in the end, Wasps picked them off pretty comfortably in that second half. Once it got to 15-5, scoring so quickly after the try Wasps conceded, you never felt the result was going to go anywhere else, really. No, no, I 100% agree with you there. Yeah, this, this was a game that the tone was set early on because mm. Wasps did that. They fronted up. They took the, the first punch from Exeter early on. And you made Exeter think. And when Exeter have to think, they're not a very good rugby team because they have this one way of playing that works really, really well. And it's that they assert their physical dominance early on, they get sort of 10 points ahead, and then they start to cut loose. It's the Saracens' blueprint, and Exeter are just following it. And, you know, they'll get the plaudits because they play some lovely rugby when they're 15 points ahead. But 
if you can front up and you can make them think twice and make them think, actually, shit, we've got to beat these guys a second way, they've got no answers for it. And I think, and I'm going to be, I'll be completely brutal here because it's a thought I've had, but, you know, Joe Simmons, there's a reason Joe Simmons isn't in the England squad. And that's because he can only play rugby when his forwards have given him a 10, 15 point lead. It just... He's not anywhere near the level of some of the other young English fly halves that are doing the rounds at the minute. You know, I, I think Marcus Smith is ahead of all of them. You know, I think he is just a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Jacob's not far behind. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I think Marcus Smith's ahead of all of them. But I, I'd even go as far to say what we've seen from Charlie Atkinson in very limited minutes already this year is ahead of what Joe Simmons brings. Because mm. Atkinson actually brings stuff to the table. He doesn't have to have everything there perfectly in front of him. And I think that was that was really telling because Wasps had great line speed, they had great physicality. And because Exeter couldn't get on the front foot, they just had no other way of playing. And it, it, they, they came unstuck. It was quite a similar game to the final, except Wasps were able to actually get enough ball to score the points. You know, and, and they did take their chance. I know uh, they did take their chances. They didn't leave much out there, did they? Really, if you think about it, if you look at the periods of possession they had, okay, they probably butchered one try in the first half, but they got the three anyway just before half time to go to 8 0. And then in the second half, really, they scored something pretty much every visit to the 22. Admittedly, there was one time they were in there for about 10 minutes before Ian Tempest found a yellow card after 28,000 penalties were conceded. Um, with a crowd in, they'd have been down to 12 or 13, I reckon. Um, um, you know, the, there's, there's um, the, the home advantage with, 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 with the crowd, I think, would have been even more significant for, for that particular game with it being Exeter. Um, so, so yeah, it, yeah, there was a lot of feeling, obviously, I think, in the Wasp performance as well. You know, I think a lot of them know they missed an opportunity to win the win the final, even with the COVID disruption Wasps had in the week of the final. I think they knew they had the game to beat Exeter and this was their opportunity to show it. And um, it's I'm really, really looking forward to seeing the two go head-to-head later in the season when both are a full strength because I think you tweeted it during the game you know I've already mentioned it if that first half was in a European Cup semi-final that featured Munster you'd be calling it an, an absolute class you know even though that wasn't particularly high scoring um, and you know it was it was proper good intensity and Wasps have actually brought that to their last three games I would include the Montpellier game in that Um yeah, that was a full-blooded European tie. They were really the second half, certainly against Sale and and now against Exeter, and and they're getting on a really good roll, having looked all at sea really two or three weeks ago when they lost at home to Newcastle with a pretty shoddy performance. Let's let's yeah, they they were lucky to only lose by ten that day, and 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 now they're, they're I I tweeted yesterday that there are. I think there are three teams that can win the Premiership, and that is Wasps, Exeter, and Bristol. I think those three are comfortably ahead of the rest. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. From what we've seen this year, with yeah. Sale dropping off so much, with Gloucester not really showing anything in Queen, there, so Queens are so inconsistent, like you say. 
you know, I just, I, I really struggle to sort of see who comes up and challenges there. You know, Newcastle have looked really good, but you have to imagine that they're going to drop off at some point just because there isn't quite the quality there. And we, we saw that in their game this weekend as well, where they just didn't quite have the quality to, to live with Bristol. And, yeah, that that's going to happen to them because they've got some great players, but it's their first year back. And if they can build on this, they're going to probably build a really good squad because that's they have the ability to do as long as they can get the players in. But you wouldn't expect it off of them this year. Um, but I, I just, I really like this team. And I think there are some really underrated and, and underheralded players that have stepped up to really start this run. It starts with Alfie Barbary. I know he's not underheralded and underrated, but um, you know he came in and really showed the physicality when he started. And a couple of other players have sort of followed on from him. I think James Gaskell has been mm. absolutely phenomenal in the last month. You know, the guy just puts himself about over and over and over again. And I, I'll admit, when I saw his name at six on the team sheet on Friday, I winced and I thought, no, I don't like that call. But he was absolutely outstanding in this game. You look at some players like Tom West and Jeff Tamunga Allen, both of whom have come in and just upped the physicality levels to a point where this Wasps pack is, looks incredible. Like, where mm. are the weaknesses in the pack? You just can't see them right now. And you, they, they've got, they've finally got a pack to match the back line that everyone mm. knows that they've got. And they, you know, you wonder if you could have put this pack in the 2017 team, they'd have won the league by, you know, streets, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you make a great point on James Gaskell because we both message each other going, not sure about this. And, um, but it, Lee Blackett doesn't get much wrong. And uh, he was he was absolutely spot on with that goal. He was man of the match for me. Um, I understand why they went for Launchbury on on the telly, but I, I think yeah, it's a couple of games now. Gaskell's been pretty unlucky not to get man of the match just because there was a, the Montpellier game was another one, mm. um, you know, because of Barbary and you know, I, I say I've got no qualms giving it to Launchbury. I thought Will Rowlands played really well again when he was on. Um, Gaskell is, is playing some of the best rugby of probably of his Wasps career at the moment, you know, and he's he's someone who's not always had it easy. He's had plenty of injuries, and somebody else I'd, I'd mentioned on that is Josh Bassett. Now we got, there was there was something going around asking for your sort of unsung hero of 2020, and I actually put him up because we sat here. I remember when we had Bobby on just before the season resumed and we were saying, well, he's not really played much. You know, you wonder if the change of coach might work for Josh Bassett. I think it has because I think he's played virtually every game since, uh, since, since Blackett took over. And he's just, he, he's back to the player we know we knew we had. Now he's getting the regular game time that I feel he deserves. And um, it will remain one of the mysteries of the, previous two seasons why he didn't play more honestly it will be one of the reasons that die ended up losing his job in yeah. my opinion because yeah. you know that that squad in die's final year last year you know it wasn't as good and as strong as it is now now a lot of that is young players being given opportunities but it's also players like josh bassett for him being brought back into the fold because he's the best winger wasps have got mm. and 
he wasn't playing, and that is just a travesty. The the ability that he's shown this year, the form that he's shown this year, has got to put him on Eddie Jones's radar. He's got to be on that periphery of England wingers looking for or looking at a potential call up, especially if tours go ahead as planned this summer. You know, if England are touring without their Lions contingent, someone like Josh Bassett has got to go on the on the plane with the way he's playing. Yeah. The run to set up the Sopawanga try was incredible. Mm. It was just the the awareness to turn on the Jets and take that extra yardage and then position the ball. Because you can see, as there's a, I've seen a really good angle of it, and I don't know where I saw the angle, but it's almost from behind um, the Exeter defensive line. So you can see Josh running through the gap, and you can see he just shifts the ball into his left hand to be able to get the offload away motors through the gap and then just pops it away and it's an easy walk-in for for Sopwanger. It was just an incredible performance again. He's so good under the high ball. He's so good defensively. He puts himself about and at the minute, Wasps have got three really talented wingers in Josh Bassett, Paolo Adogu and Zach Kibberi. It it just seems like at the minute, when they're on this team, there's so much depth in this squad Mm. and that's a a really nice thing to see, especially now. All it's taken is some young players to step up and sort of take a, a little bit of a leadership role, really, because that's what they're doing. Jack Willis and Alfie Barbary are doing that early on in games, and they're saying, look, come follow me, follow me. And, and the, the older players around them who a year ago looked absolutely dejected being thrashed at home to, to Bordeaux Begler are now thinking hang on, these young guys are coming in and doing it. We can do this as well. And and it's just incredible to see. Well, I think that's a big thing. I think, you know, all of a sudden there are people who were, I don't want to say given an easy ride, but they knew they were going to play next week. Hmm. Um, you know, regardless of results. And now they're seeing young guys come in. Even some, you know, Dan Robson's a wonderful player, but... Will Porter's playing very well and, um, you know, had a real impact on the game today when he came on. Um, he had an absolute stormer in the European game that Dan didn't play. And he did all right against Sale before Dan came on and was, was a key attribute in Charlie Atkinson's try. You know, all of a sudden, you've got this competition for places. And, it, you know, even if Wasps has got a few injuries at the moment, but you don't feel the squad is as stretched as it was huh? You know, 18 months ago, you know, if we'd have lost, you know, we've lost Alfie Barbary. I think Jack Willis is probably gone, certainly for the next couple of games, you'd have thought. And I'm not convinced he'd have played the two Champions Cup games anyway with the position Wasps are in and the likelihood that Montpellier and the Dragons are going to lose interest in this competition now. Um, I think there's a fair chance Montpellier game's not going to go ahead, judging by what Montpellier are. Montpellier have got quite a few cases at the moment and seem to be interested in throwing in the towel in Europe. So I think that game might not go ahead anyway. Um, but, you know, I think Wasps are blessed now that, you know, two or three injuries two years ago and you're you're, you're, you're in absolute panic stations. But now, you know, Jack Willis went off at half-time. It was 8-0, it finished 34-5, you know. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, depth, the ability to bring Thomas Young off the bench, the ability to bring Jimmy Gopeth off the bench, 
Charlie Atkinson came on yesterday. Jeff came on, who's going to win the fans' player of the season, if you believe Twitter. I think. I think that's. Oh, all he's done. He's sewn up. He's sewn <laughs> up. The dude, I just love him. I love the smile he plays with. I love the cheekiness that he plays with, and that's he's putting awesome. in absolute baller performances to go with it. That's what Austin Heady was saying yesterday, and I, th- I think it's it's the fact as well that they are really enjoying playing again, and that's what was tough. That's what was tough to watch last. Well, the early part of last season is they weren't enjoying mm. what they were being asked to do. Yeah, I mean, it, massive kudos has got to go to this coaching team that Lee Black yeah. has pulled together because you know Richard Blaze has done a, an incredible job with the forwards. Martin Gleeson has got the attack back to the level it was at during the the pomp and the glory days. And Ian Costello has done a phenomenal job on the defence. You know, we saw that in the first twenty minutes with the way they defended up close against Exeter, and what he's what they've done is they've developed a system that it counteracts the, the tactics of the best teams today. You know, when you've got a Jack Willis or a Thomas Young or even a, a James Gaskell or Joe Launchbury or, you know, these guys that are really good over the ball and getting the Jackal turnovers, when teams are picking and going close to the line, you've always got a chance of getting that turnover. If you can get one of those Jacklers into the correct position, you've always got a chance to stop the try. And it's something that other teams just aren't as good as Wasps are at. And that's why they they can stop. That's why Wasps can stop Exeter, who have been unstoppable from 10 metres out this year, because they've got that ability. You know, they've, they also attack the driving mall really, really well, whether that's Joe Launchbury or, or Gaskell or uh, Willis or Barbary or who, whoever's there, whoever's got the strength to push through the middle of those driving malls. And, it's such a strong tactic because if you know that you can survive those driving malls, you know, 60% of the time, you can be a little bit more carefree with the way that you jackal in your own half mm. around your around the halfway line. And that's going to win your ball. And it, it was winning Wasp's ball uh, yes, in yesterday's game because Exeter weren't expecting wasps to be so aggressive at the breakdown around the halfway line because teams are so scared of Exeter's kick to the corner, driving mall, pick and go if it doesn't work, that they don't attack Exeter in that area of the field. But wasps aren't scared of it because they've found this system that seems to work against the the offensive system of teams like Exeter and, and Saracens and you know, these the big sides that pick and go a lot. And you know, wasps do a lot of it as well. You know, they've added it to their game because and it's it's a smart thing to do because you've got to try and score tries in every single way that you can. Yeah, it, it did make me think actually, it was quite funny that the, the way wasps played for large parts, apart from the Sopawanga try, if we'd have been beaten by Exeter playing like that, people would be going, God, they dull, you know. It wasn't I wouldn't I would argue it wasn't a particularly spectacular in terms of not entertaining, oh, I don't know though. That but, the second James Gaskell try is something else. Yeah, you know, but, five forwards offloading like they're playing for Fiji sevens. Like you know, just you, know you know what I mean though. They get yeah. by. You know, yeah, not the, the first half. There wasn't a huge amount apart from the try we bombed, but we got penalty anyway when a, a dog woo was went through. Um, there's a guy we better talk about in a minute. Um, you know, it wasn't 
it wasn't spectacular. They played to their strengths, and that's yeah. a, that's a sign of teams that can win things. You know that they that they can do, and they get excited by doing the boring work. I've said this before. You know, wasps knee in the past have needed to get more excited about defence, and I feel they are now. You know, mm. I'm not a huge fan of the whooping and hollering that goes on in the game, but the more you know, they do an awful lot more of that than they used to <laughs> you know they get genuinely excited i think a lot of it now i think you hear a lot more of it now because there's no fans there that's true yeah i think i think it's always kind of gone on in that teams are going to cheer a penalty that you've won through lots of hard graft in in defense that's going to happen but yeah. you'd also have the crowd cheering it at the same time so you you don't hear it quite as much you know it's not like Sarah, watching Saracens do it where half their bench runs onto the field every time they win a penalty. Yeah. Uh, it's it's getting there and I hope it kind of... Well, I'm, I'm a little bit 50-50. I don't really mind it that much, if I'm being totally honest, because, you know, I, I've been there. When you're, when you're playing the game, especially a physical game like rugby, you're going to have that emotion let out after putting in the hard work to win a, to win a penalty. You know, and... Your opponents do it as well. I don't think it really annoys players all that much. Probably not. No. You know they're grown. They're grown ass men. You know, kind of as long as it's not offensive, then then I'm okay with it. What I will, I do. We are going to come back round to a dogu, like you said, but I just want to talk a little bit about the discipline that this team has as well, because mm. Exeter, when they were put under so much pressure, they just cheated for the whole second half, pretty much. Yeah, they spent 40 minutes trying to slow the ball down, lie, lay on the wrong side, going off their feet at the ruck. And they weren't getting away with it because they were conceding a lot of penalties, but that you could tell they were trying to drag Wasps down into a into a fight. And that is that is what happens when teams that bully you, like Exeter do, start losing. And the boys just didn't give in. You know, and, and a fair few people I know that listen to this podcast will have watched the Sale Gloucester game that happened afterwards. And you could tell the difference in discipline between the two teams that are fighting near the bottom of the table after five games who aren't playing very well and the teams like Exeter and Wasps because whilst Exeter were trying to drag Wasps down into it and there were some, there were some afters, there were some words exchanged and there was some clapping and some patting of heads, but it stopped there. It didn't go any further. Whereas we see in the sale game, you know, the frustration just boils over because the players are frustrated at not playing very well. And then something doesn't go your way. And yeah, the refereeing in that sale Gloucester game was atrocious. But as a professional player, you've got to keep more of your call. You know, Billy mm. 12 trees is probably going to end up getting banned for a long time for striking uh, a ball boy like, mm. or a water carrier. Because you, you just can't do that. Mm. Uh, and yeah, the yeah the uh, the water carrier was interfering with play, but you, you still can't, you can't do it. it. And yeah. I'd like to think that the wasps boys, yeah, they'd probably be they'd be annoyed, but I don't think they would go piling in like Twelve Trees did, and end up getting yourself banned for a long time because of it, and then you're lost to the team for the year. You know, you have to be that bit smarter. You have to be that bit more composed. And I think since Lee Blackett's taken over, one of the things that they... I know it's one of the things they really worked on during the, the lockdown period with the players. And you could, you've could you seen it since since the second half of last season, since this season started. The, 
the group is just far more composed than it was before and it was under die and that is just so nice to see and the back themselves as well like they, mm. they you know we obviously we haven't really spoken about some of the games earlier this season but you look at the, a lot went wrong against bristol they didn't play very well i think bristol were were probably mugged in that game mm. to be honest with you but they they dug in and similarly at gloucester when they were quite well outplayed but scored two tries i think it was like in 50 seconds those two tries mm. dog who scored um which which brings us neatly on to um to one of the more surprising revelations i think of this season that uh, the emergence or re-emergence of paolo Adogu, who obviously had the incident when he was sent off very early on last season and pretty much wasn't seen again and has, yeah. has come back sort of as a, as a necessity at 13, as a sort of a, a last chance saloon, really, because Wasps had nobody else. And it's turned into an absolute revelation there. And he's playing really, really well at the minute. He's so physically gifted. He's quick, he's strong, he's agile. And he's just added a little bit of nous to his game. He's mm. been really good defensively. He's taken, as you say, he, he was the real driving force behind those two tries as well at Gloucester. It wasn't, you know, a team effort that he just finished off. He played a massive part in both scores. Mm. And ever since, he has just looked a different character. And yeah. he, he seems great to have around. He's always smiling. He's, an, he's another one of these players that's got a big character that's always smiling that, you know, quite frankly, and I don't, I don't just want to talk badly about Dyer because we've said so many times on this show how much we love the man. You know, what he did for this club deserves a statue outside the bloody stadium. Mm. But he couldn't deal with big characters. Yeah. And I think this current staff, and I don't know if whether it's player-led or whether it's staff-led, they are far better at dealing with big characters and getting them in the right mood to play. And I'm not, I'm not saying that as a criticism on a dog woo because you are who you are as a player. You know, I, I, a lot of the time when I talk on here, I talk about my own coaching uh, stories, my own coaching experience, because it's what I have to, to deal with. Every single player you coach in a sport is different. They've all got different personalities. And you've got two options. You can either try and make that player the type of personality you want and have a team of robots, which is always unsuccessful in the end. Or you can let your players be who they are and just let and work out how to fit that into a team and into a group. And I think the biggest change or one of the biggest changes is this team feels like a group now, rather than a group of robots who all have the same personality. And mm. that, you know, the, the best teams, the best Wasps teams to have followed are these teams with personality. You know, they've got guys who just, they just, you just let guys be themselves. Mm. You know, whether you've got a, massive real tall really gentle bloke like Simon Shaw in your team or you've got an absolutely crazy nutcase in Paul Sampson like the the old the, the double winning first double winning Wasps team had you know different players but they coexisted because mm. they were allowed to coexist and I think that this Wasps team everyone's allowed to be who they are and that it sounds so wishy-washy but it's so important to the role of a team and to the building of a team and a building of a successful team and Wasps do it so well now. 
again, I think you see that at the two teams I've mentioned earlier in the show, Exeter and Bristol. Mm. And it's no fluke that those three, I know that it's not quite reflected in the league table yet, but, you know. It will be. I would, it's, it's I, coming. I would be very, very surprised if, um, <clears throat> if, if that is not the top three in, in any sort of order. And, um, and they could all go well in Europe. I know Exeter have obviously had problems with their cancelled game that put them on the back foot, um, but they could well still get through. Bristol can still get through. And if not, you know, Bristol quite fancy defending that Challenge Cup if they drop into it. Likewise, Exeter. So, uh, you know, Exeter dropping the Challenge Cup, you know, some reward for the teams who've been slogging out that competition this side of Christmas. So, um, it's, uh, you know, they the three of them could really clean up with some silverware this year, um, both in the Premiership and in their respective European competitions, as they did last year, obviously, unfortunately not for Wasps, but hopefully that might change this year. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just been... It's, it, it, it's that sort of thing of t- team spirit. And you look back at the successful teams... You know, in, in all sports, you know, you, you look at you look at football and you see what, you know, Jurgen Klopp's done at Liverpool in the last three or four years, building that club up again. You know, you, you look in the past when Arsenal were at the top and the spirit they had, the one year of Leicester and City, the old Tigers teams. Yeah, it's... Munster when they were winning Europe, you know. It just feels like a squad full of personalities now. Yeah. And it's not a squad with one or two personalities who you know are only in the team because they're fantastic rugby players, although they're not very well liked behind the scenes by the coaching staff. This is it just seems to be a group that, and all credit goes to Lee Blackett for building this culture from the top. Yeah, you're just allowed to be who you want to be, yeah. as long as you don't bring the team down. The minute you start to bring the team down, you're out. And you do you do wonder sort of in the when we look back sort of in five or 10 years time, and hopefully all this period is, is long behind us at that point, just how vital to the progress of Wasps rugby club will that six month period where they didn't play a game be? Yeah. Cause we, we know Wasps, they did win three games in February, March time. They obviously, you know, but they, they weren't, I mean, they were playing well, but they weren't, they weren't playing as well as they did when they came out, came back out of lockdown. Yeah, yeah. They, they stepped up to a new level, both physically and, 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 and sort of an attacking game um, when they came back out of the lockdown. And, and you do wonder sort of, you know, just how much work went in. They might, you know, almost completely changed the mindset in that time that, you know, no one was, no one was playing. And, in the end, I think it, that period has proved a blessing in disguise for the whole club, I think. Obviously not financially, but other than that... Um, yeah, and I mean, everyone, everyone's hurting at the yeah. minute in terms of clubs financially. No one's immune. Mm. Um, and on that side of things, let's talk, to, or talk over a couple of the questions that we have had uh, sent in by our faithful. First off, before we start the question, I just want to have a huge thank you because we reached the mark of 1,700 followers on Twitter yesterday, which is mad, first of all, that 1,700 people put up with the shit that I tweet a lot of the time. Um, But, yeah, just awesome. 
to to see that. So thank you all very very much. We'll nearly have more followers than we get crowds soon. We've already got more followers than Sale get as a crowd, so that's <laughs> that's always a nice start. Um, so yeah, let's talk some transfers because the transfer rumor mill has been very quiet. Or maybe that's just because I don't follow rugby inside line anymore, so I don't get hundreds of fake transfer rumors every day. But it has been loud. No, you're right. It has been quiet, hasn't it? Uh, one name that keeps getting mentioned is Elliot Stook. That's mm. the name that I keep seeing. Obviously, second row lock forward, uh, been at Bath, hasn't he? Uh, for I think yeah, his, his whole career. He was at Gloucester as well. Oh, he was at Gloucester. Uh, okay. That, that makes some sense. You know, 27 years old would come in to me and be a decent replacement for Will Rowlands. You know, I'd, I'd still be looking for a potentially a better replacement for Rowlands. But, you know, he's a guy that's been in and around the England squad at times in his career. He's a big bloke. He's good in the line out, pretty good in the loose as well. You know, I, I think Wasps get worse when you compare him and Rowlands. But Rowlands is going. That's a done deal. So mm. you kind of have to find the best replacement possible because you can't not replace him. Yeah, yeah, there, there seems to be fairly strong reports about um, a Georgian who I'm not going to try and pronounce. Um, well, his Wikipedia page has already got Wasp listed as a club. He was um, <laughs> an under uh, under twenties captain for Georgia um, and um, did play in the Autumn Nations Cup off the bench against England um, and against Wales. Um, so that looks like. So it could well be if Rowlands goes that two players come in and Wasps might well have the space if Rowlands goes. I'm not 100% sure, but I would imagine he's one of the bigger earners in the squad. Um, and I think there is going to be space because he won't be the only one to leave. Um, it's been well documented that this is Sopoanga's last season in contract and I would be very, very surprised if he is extended beyond the end of the season. Um, I don't think he'd have had the third year taken had COVID not struck. Um, I think he'd have gone somewhere where a bit more money's offered. Um, probably, in, I know there's been links with French clubs. Um, there was a, there, there is a potential issue that the French club he was talking to might well get relegated from the top 14, which is a, which may, yeah. Mm. But I, I think he's going to go. I, th- I think, you know, Wasps will offer him a deal to come back, but it's going to be nowhere near the level of contract that he would have been offered before. So yeah. I don't think he signs it. I think he's probably moving on, which is cool because it opens up a, a marquee player slot for Wasps. And, mm. yeah, it might not get taken, first of all, um, you know, with the, the financial situation surrounding covid it all just depends on how big the damage has been and whether, and uh, you know, what Wasps are doing as a group to mitigate that damage. Mm-hmm. But we could potentially see, you know, a big name come in and fill that marquee player slot. You know, if it's if it's up to me, I'm, I don't know, I don't know where I'm looking. If no. it's up to me, because you know, I think you you'll see a lot and you'll notice a lot given uh, what happens with England in the Six Nations. You know, what is Jacob Munger's 
uh, availability going to be like? Because with um, Charlie Atkinson being named to the England under-20 squad, you know, he's his availability, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're playing in under-26 nations, or they're planning to. Um, so his availability during that period will be limited. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, another p- sort of 10, 12 playmaker might be an option if there's someone available. Um, I could see a type five edition if there's someone available, just because you want good bodies there. You're losing someone, as I say, like Will Rowlands. Um, but sort of outside of that, you know, unless a superstar, a true superstar becomes available, I'm not quite sure where the ad goes. No, no, I think you're right. Um, No point signing someone just for the sake of signing someone. No, exactly. And it's just going to be sort of who's available. And there are certain nations, obviously, where you get better value for your marquee players. So if you're, you know, I love the idea of picking Kiwis as the marquee players because you know they're going to be available for every single game. Yeah. Once you move outside of New Zealand, you're not getting selected for the All Blacks. You know, so if if there is a, a, someone on the fringes that's looking to move up north, then, yeah, you're probably looking at a back three player for for Kiwis, you know, if there is a if there is a Kiwi coming over. But, yeah, well, obviously, you know, with, who with, knows? You know, Minotzi, obviously, is that you've got to consider the fact that he... He's will, away a lot. He will play a lot of international rugby as well. So that's, that's always something to consider. Um Although quite what's going to happen with the Six Nations this year is is still, I think, up in the air. I'm, I am, even though we're sat here on the 3rd of January, I'm still not convinced the Six Nations will kick off on the 6th of February as it's planned. Um, I think they will try and hold back to, um, to, to at least give it every chance to get some people in later in the season. Um, and that wouldn't surprise me at all if the Six Nations replaces the Lions tour later at the end of the season but that's a debate for another day um yeah um yeah we've we've done sort of the transfer i mean the one the one name that has been mentioned and i keep seeing mentioned is sia khaleesi the south african captain i'm really it's such a, a strange one for me i i I'd love to see it. Obviously, I'd love to see it because you don't turn down a chance to sign a World Cup winning captain. But I'm not sure if we need the reinforcements there. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, you, you, you obviously, yeah. If if he wants to come and he's, you know, then the deal is there. Take him for sure. But you do wonder in these challenging times financially whether that's your best way is because you know, he is not going to come cheap. Let's let's no. let's not beat about the bush. Here. Um, you know, and he will if he's going to come to England, he would have had to have turned down offers in France that will be larger than what Wasps can or will be prepared to offer. You know, um, and as you say, you've got all these back rowers. I know, you know, I think we all hope and I think we expect Jack Willis will get more game time for England. Um, I think at some point Alfie Barbary will go to England, and I think Wasps see him as a hooker long term anyway. Hmm. So, yeah, there's probably there is potential for another back rower, but as you say, 
I, I don't want to belittle the man, but do you pick him ahead of Willis and Young at the moment? I'm I'm not sure you do, to be honest. You know, huh. yeah, you know, and and he I don't think Khaleesi will come here to play number eight, so huh. uh, he's certainly not coming to sit on the bench. So unless unless they're doing it in a to sort of a um, you know a George Smith style, you know he can help the younger players role and. When he does play, he'll put bumps on seats if and when. Um, but I don't know if he will. What like you see? Is, I... is Sia Khaleesi a name that really grabs the attention of the casual rugby fan? I, I don't know. It is. You know, for me, if you're going to spend this kind of money, it has to be a global superstar that's going to bring people to the Rico Arena. Mm. And whilst for us rugby fans. You know, who, who follow the game quite closely, who follow international rugby quite closely. See, Khaleesi's a huge figure. And I'd love I'd love him to be at Wasps because of the person he is, um, the, the stuff he does off the field, the, the player he is on the field as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love him to come to Wasps. I think he'd be a phenomenal signing. But I just wonder if it's the best use of the money. Correct. No, I, I, I completely agree with that. And, and I also... Yeah, he is he is a big name, I think, but it's interesting. He's done um I don't know if anybody listens to Jake Humphrey, the BT football presenters. He does a he calls it the high performance podcast, something like that. He had Sia Khaleesi on and he every every time he has a new guest, he says, you know, gives a few clues. And he said, This is one of the most recognizable rugby players that's played the game which I'd sort of take a bit of exception to, but you look at the replies, not one person mentioned Khaleesi. No, no, yeah. exactly. So, and, and that's, you know, a more casual audience than probably what we're talking to now. So it's, I agree with you that it'd be a phenomenal signing. I think it'd be great for the league as well to, to attract that sort of player, whether it's the best use of a club. And, you know, and all clubs have been hit hard. But just the nature of Wasp's business model, Wasp will have been hit harder than a lot than plenty of the other clubs it, through this pandemic. Just you know, you can't have forty thousand people going to a concert anymore to fill your no. coffers. Um, and you know, hopefully that will change by in a, in a few months. But you know, the situation's pretty bleak here at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, there is there's one name that has popped up a little bit. Again, we're so unsure. And the, the one name that I would love and has kind of been mooted that he might be leaving Racing uh, is Teddy Toma. Mm. And that that's a guy that if they, if Wasp said we're bringing in Teddy Toma, I would be over the moon. I mm. would probably buy a season ticket. <laughs> and I live, I live a, at least a two and a half hour drive away from the Rico Arena. So that's a chunky commitment for me to buy a season ticket again. But that's the kind of signing that would bring me back, you know, and would bring play, people in to games all all the time. Yeah, you know, that's the kind of guy, you know. You, you you have to be, and whilst obviously you want the best fit, and we've just spent ten minutes talking up who the best, how strong the wasps options wasps options are on on the wing, and you know, so add you'd be adding to a, an already a strength, but. He's the kind of player that if you are paying him 400 grand a year, 500 grand a year to come and play rugby, 
he's going to recoup you some of that in extra ticket sales because he's a name that people recognise from the Six Nations. Yeah. You know, has scored some scintillating tries for France in the Six Nations. Scored an incredible try for Racing against Quinns the other week. That would be a dream signing for me. I don't, I've not heard it's going to happen. I've got no, I, I must admit, since Di left, the club has been a lot tighter on leaks and rumours and just anything. Yeah. It's been hard to get stuff out yeah. of people. It really has. So, you know, it, we might not be your best option of, um, in terms of transfer rumours right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a great show, Teddy Thomas, and uh, yeah, that that is that is your bums on seat signing, you know, it, it, it's that would be a signing in the Piatal Beal mm. mould. Um, but uh, they, they, I'm be interesting to see because I, I do believe he is out of contract at the end of the season at Racing. So, mm. I'm not quite what are the what are the French rules with regards to players overseas? Would he not be in consideration for the national squad if he went? I don't know. They don't really move because they don't have to because they get no. paid so well exactly. in France. But you know, he might he might come over here. Um, one player again that's been linked in the last few days is Oli Devoto. I don't think that one's happening. Um, yeah, yeah. Lee Blackett kind of rubbished the rumor that he'd gone and met him at a, a motorway service station um, over the past weeks or so. Um, I'm pretty sure that would be breaking COVID regulations anyway. Probably. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd put the sort of kiboshes on that one a little bit. Uh, in terms of favourite service stations, though, uh, there's one out near Aylesbury that's got a Witherspoons in it. So um, <laughs> I've quite enjoyed being a passenger in a car and stopping there in recent times. Um, um, I glossed on a mention on Twitter from somebody. Um, very, very good, but you do need to take a bank loan before... Um, <laughs> Um, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's on the M5 just north of Cheltenham. That that is, um, it's uh, it's the last cash point before you reach the race course. And I have done plenty of business both before and after with uh, <laughs> a cash point. Um, it's Strensum, I think, on the M5. That'd be my choice. Or if you're going far north, Woolly Edge on the M1, which is just before you get to Leeds. Um, I've got family in Newcastle, so um, that's uh, there, there you go. There's there, I, I feel I feel that's good content now, yeah. I, I think so too. I think that's a good content to end on, to be fair. Um, so that is all from us today. Thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure you um, follow us on Twitter at the Wasp Report, rate, subscribe, review this podcast. Uh, if you don't mind, if you've got five minutes, it really helps us um, and the podcast grow. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, for giving us great banter, great interactions during the games in 2020. Um, it was a phenomenal year for us. It was a great year in the end for Wasps. Let's hope that 2021 is even better. Let's hope we can get some fans back into stadiums. We can host some away days again. I'm pretty sure the Irish game's quite late on in the year. so we'd... It's the last away oh, first week. It's the first week of June. so Hopefully we can have some fun in the sun. Um, please stay safe. Please stay well, enjoy the rugby from home and let's get fans back into stadiums so that we can have a fun day out in Brentford. Uh, no one's ever said that before, have they? Um, later on this summer. 